going with the first service, it's a bit of a challenge when you first start something new like this. It's, um, it's like, what do you say? And I was comparing it to um, like when you have a, a student minister or someone preaching up for the first time, and, and they've usually got this massive amount of information that they want to convey and talk about and they're passionate about. And, and so they get, you know, 20 minutes and, and it's a different sermon every 30 seconds almost, you know. So they move from one topic to the next and by the end of it, you have no idea what's been said because it's just this amazing amount of stuff. And, and that's a bit of what I felt like. What do I convey? How do I, how do I share with you who South Central Church is and what we're about and, and so on? But I thought the best way was actually just to, to share with you our dream. And understand the heart of, of where this church came from and, and what our dream is. And the Bible is full of dreamers. Dreaming is God's territory. You know, you start with Noah and, you know, you can't sort of miss Noah at the moment. There's debates about Noah, the new movie, and is it good, is it bad, is it ugly, you know. It's almost like back in the days of Noah. Is it good, is it bad, is it all this sort of stuff. I haven't seen the movie, don't know, not in a rush to go and see it. If you want to know about Noah, there's a really funny thing called a Bible. If you open up to the first section, it actually has the story of Noah. So you know the truth then. But God gave Noah a dream. He gave him a dream of, of building this massive ark that would carry two of every kind of animal, that would carry his family, that would preserve mankind, cause him and his family to survive and to thrive. And then you get to Abraham. And God gave Abraham this dream. He said, look up into the sky. See the stars. Sort of one thing I miss about being in the city. I grew, I grew up in the country and you know, you, where, where I lived, the power used to go out about 10, 10.30 at night. And there'd be no lights for miles. And so you'd, you'd, you'd go out there and, and just see the amazing amount of stars. That's what Abraham would have seen. And God put a dream inside him saying, you know, you'll have descendants as many as the stars up there. God gave Joseph a dream. A dream that he would rule over people. He'd be an influencer and a leader. That one day he would reign. God gave Moses a dream. A dream to free God's people through miracles and signs and wonders. God gave Joshua a dream that he'd lead God's people into the promised land, fulfill their journey and enter into that freedom and abundance in that promised land. God gave David a dream that he would be king. And not just a king, but in the line of the king of kings himself. God gave Mary a dream, a dream of a child who'd be the Messiah the saviour of all mankind. God gave Paul a dream. A dream of starting churches all over the world, of people coming to know Jesus and freedom in Christ. God is into dreams. He always has been. He always will be. He's the author and the finisher of every good dream. Dreams and visions of achieving the impossible. But the funny thing about dreams is 
Life likes to challenge our dreams. You know, Noah set out to build the ark, but it never rained. Before that time, it had never rained. It took him over a hundred years to build that ark. And no rain. Yeah, we think we've had a dry summer. That's a long time. Where there's no rain. Just one guy hammering wood together. Abraham was told his descendants would be like the stars. And yet his wife could no longer bear children. He was getting on himself. They were old. They were past the age when they could have kids. And it looked like the dream was dead. Joseph shared his dream. And his brothers didn't like him. So much so they beat him up, threw him in a pit, then sold him as a slave. He gets taken off to Egypt as a slave. Where things don't get better, they get worse. He ends up getting thrown in, put in prison for something he didn't even do. Having a dream can be tough. David was anointed as king. And immediately after it, his father says, okay, go back to the sheep now. And then he spends the next few years hiding out in a cave because people are trying to kill him. Seems like he's getting further and further away from his throne. Mary wasn't married. And in her time, if you weren't married and you got pregnant, the punishment was being stoned. So she... Heads off to her cousin Elizabeth, sanctuary, to carry on the dream. Paul, with his vision of starting churches, was shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, whipped, thrown in prison. All in pursuit of fulfilling his dream. Each of them had a dream, a vision inside of them. But each of them suffered for their dream. Each of them was persecuted for their dream. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us that God has a plan for your life. It says that God has a plan for you, plan to prosper you and not to harm you, plan to give you a hope and a future. We read in the Psalms that before the world was even made, before God spoke the world into being, he knew you, and he had a plan and a purpose for you. God has given a dream to you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He didn't make you by accident. He didn't make you unintentionally. He made you to be the most awesome you you can be. In fact, never before this time and never after this time will there be anyone on this earth who can be as awesome you as you are. You will only ever be the best awesome you there ever is. There may be others who may try and be you, but they will never be as awesome as you are. Because God made you for a purpose. He put you here as a part of His plan so that you could be awesome but an awesome you with your own dreams and visions that God has placed within you. But I find as I go through life, many people who have let go of their dreams or have never quite discovered their dream 
Because, you see, they get a dream and then they wake up. And instead of it being this smooth road, pretty flowers by the roadside, fields of green, it's usually a great big cliff. And to fulfill their dream, they've got to scale the cliff. Knowing that beyond it, there's probably another one that's even bigger. And life comes and it beats the dream out of us. Life comes and steals our dream. Why is that? Why is it that we lose our dream? Why is it that it gets taken out of our lives, that it's no longer a part of us? It doesn't matter whether you're two or 102. God has a dream and a vision for your life. He has a purpose for you. But life will steal it. You see, because there is a God, there is a Satan. And Satan knows that if you lose your life purpose, if you lose your dream, then you won't shine as brightly as what you could. And if you don't shine as brightly as you can, you don't reflect Jesus as well as you can. Because when you are fulfilling your dream and vision, when you are fulfilling what God has made you for, you reflect his glory. You know, it's the whole chariots of fire thing. Where the guy's standing there and um, he was standing in the pulpit and actually, no, somebody was talking to his sister. And he says to her, you know, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. I was made to run. And God has made you for a purpose. He's made me to pastor churches. He might have made you to be a mechanic or a nurse or a chef. He might have made you to be a father or a mother. Whatever plan and purpose he put within you, whatever dream he placed within you, God put it there so that you can reflect his glory. So what's that got to do with church? What's that got to do with us starting a church here? This is the sort of church I want for us to be able to empower people to be who God made them to be. I want us to be a church that allows you to reignite the dream that God placed within you. And if you've never known what that is, to find the dream that God has placed within you, the purpose for your life. It doesn't mean the road's going to be easy, but it's about together being who God made us to be. You know, it's like the analogy of, of a, a log put on a fire. Now, just ignore the fact that the log burns and disappears, all right? But you take, you take a nice log and you chuck it on the fire. You know, if you've done the campfire thing, the fire's burning, you put a log on the fire and, and that fire starts to burn on that log. The log starts to, to burn up. It starts to give off light and heat. Especially when the fire's dying down, it really starts to spark off. But then if you take that log out of the fire and you place it over in the cool, on the dirt, it'll burn, but it starts to burn less. 
and burn less. Eventually, it's just some embers, and it starts to go cold. It starts to lose its light. But you can take that log, and you can put it back onto the fire. And the heat of the fire will reignite that log again, and it'll start to burn afresh. That's what we're like. When we step out of church, we may burn for a while, but see, we were made for a relationship with each other. We were made to connect each other. We weren't meant to do life alone. That's why we, you know, look for a partner in life. Why we have family, which can be good, bad, ugly, I know. Because we were made for a relationship. Because, you see, when you're in a healthy, strong relationship, it helps you to catch on fire. It helps you to ignite and you feel free to let your passion rise up. That's what we want this church to be. A place where you can come and be one of the logs on the fire that together we can encourage each other. We can build up each other. We can say, yeah, pursue your dream, whatever it is. That we can stand shoulder to shoulder to be all that God made us to be. That's what I believe church should be. My life passion is to help people discover their purpose in life and to fulfill that purpose. But I've found that you can't do that outside of relationship with God and His church to be all that you were made to be. Because we need each other. We need that encouragement, that support, because sometimes life's going great. And when it's going great, you can run and you can encourage others. But there are times when life doesn't go so great, when things don't necessarily go your way. And they're the times not to step out of church, not to quieten your relationship with God. They're the times when you step into church. When you need other people to encourage you to help keep your fire burning. You can't achieve what God has for you outside. Let me share with you off our website, you'll find our vision and so on. I'm sure many of you have had a look there. In fact, I know you have because many of you told me that in our conversations. But let me share with you our vision and help you to understand who we are as a church and where we're going. In 1995, God gave me a vision for a church. It's funny how things take their time, don't they? You know, you read that Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, God has a plan for you. Read verse 10. Verse 10 says, while you're in exile for the next 70 years, by the way, I have a plan for you. Just because God spoke it doesn't mean it's going to happen straight away, right? And God often speaks into those difficult times and says, it's okay, I've got a way through this to be who I made you to be. But God spoke a vision to my life in 995 to build a nation-impacting church of 20,000 people. Not because we just want 20,000 people, 
but because I want a church that actually impacts the nation, that shines as a light in this nation, declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the bigger it is, the brighter that lights. We don't want 20,000 people just sitting as bums on sea, but 20,000 disciples of Jesus Christ. 20,000 people passionate for him. 20,000 people being who God made them to be. That's the sort of church we want to build. Our mission statement says to see people live their highest life through relationship in Jesus Christ, to be who God made you to be. We have a dream of people being saved, of their lives being transformed, of them knowing God in all of his fullness and living the life they were created for. We dream of schools and universities with Christ and his word at the very centre. We dream of raising up a generation of people who are gifted to lead and shape society in creative arts, media, politics, sport, education, influencing our world for Jesus. We dream of owning planes that will take food, medical supplies, disaster relief to people in need. We dream of a 20,000-plus multi-campus, vibrant, life-giving, nation-changing church that brings heaven to earth. We value every person immensely for their gifts, abilities, commitment, and faithfulness. We have a dream, but it's greater than any of our individual gifts. It's bigger than any individual one of us. And yet with God and us joining together, nothing's impossible. We want to build a church where you can belong. At the heart of this church, it's about family. Now, I don't know what your family is like. Maybe it's all messed up. Maybe it's absolutely fantastic. Or maybe it goes between the two. But church is about family where we seek to be like Jesus. I have six kids. Family is a big part of my life. I have a grandchild on the way. I know I'm too young to have a grandchild. I keep telling myself that. But I do. You know, and our family goes from absolutely awesome. You know, there's times we're sitting around the meal table and everyone's laughing and joking and talking and, you know, and it's like, this is great. Down to bath and bedtime for the younger ones. You know, between five and seven. Almost called unholy hour. But life is like that, isn't it? Family is like that. And that's the sort of church we want to be. Sure, you know what? We're going to mess up occasionally. We're going to get things wrong. But hopefully we get a whole lot more things right as we grow together. It comes back to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10 sorry, verse 27. Jesus talked about this in Matthew and he said, look, really, the whole of the Bible, everything in there is summed up in these two things. And it's as simple as love God with everything you've got and love those people in your world with everything you can. That's the sort of church we want to be. Where we love God passionately. He's the center of our lives. Not just the center, but the center of every part of our lives. We also want a people that love other people. Those people that God brings into our world, we want to love them, care for them, Bless them and empower them to be all God made them to be. 
That's our aim as a church. So let me finish by asking you a question. What's your dream? What's the dream that God's placed inside your life? Do you have a dream? Or has it been beaten out of you? Maybe you've never found your dream and your plan and your purpose. Has it been lost in the storms of life? God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a dream he wants to put inside you. And God doesn't think small. Look at the universe. And he puts you here at this time for a reason. What's your dream? I want to encourage you. You want to fulfill your dream? You want to be who God made you to be? Then think about joining us. That together we can achieve the dreams that God's put inside us and be who God made us to be. Don't stand alone. Don't be out there by yourself. Get connected. Jump into the fire. And be who God made you to be. You know, a few thousand years ago, we messed up. Back in Adam and Eve, they sinned. Sin came into the world. And that separated us from God and our relationship with him. And God didn't like that because he made us for a relationship with him. That's the key to being who we're meant to be. So he sent Jesus, his only son. Jesus came and lived as a man, a perfect life. And then he was crucified on a cross. And when he was up there, he went onto that cross, not because he deserved it, but because we deserved it. Because the price of the things that we've done wrong means that we deserve eternal death in hell with suffering. But Jesus stood in the gap for us. He went up onto the cross willingly. And up there, he took our sin. He took our shame. He took our guilt. He took our pain upon himself. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And he did that for each one of us. He said, I'm going to make a trade with you. I will take your guilt and your shame. I will take the things you've done wrong. I'll take the hurts in your life where you've hurt others and others have hurt you. I'll take those things. And I will give you life, abundance. So he says in John 10, I came to give you life abundant, not just life, but abundant life. Sure, storms are going to come your way. There's going to be difficult moments. But I promise you this, if you accept me, he said, I'll walk with you through those difficult times. I'll stand with you. I'll carry you. I'll be your strength and your life. It's a trade where we win. Because we give up all that rubbish and we gain life in him 
we gain joy and peace. You need to have that relationship with God to fulfill the dream he's placed within you. Where do you stand with Jesus today? I'm going to ask everyone just to close your eyes across the auditorium. I'm not asking you to come to the front. I don't. This is between you and God. But I'm going to pray a prayer in a minute. A prayer where you can give your life over to Jesus. If you've been walking with Jesus and you feel like you've, you've separated a bit, you've walked away from him, you need to get things right, then you can be a part of that prayer too. Maybe you don't know if you're going to heaven or you're going to hell. You don't know what waits for you. And you want to be sure. You can be sure today. You can get your life right with Jesus today. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're saying, I want to be in that prayer, I want to be a part of that prayer, please include me. I'm not going to name you or embarrass you. Just let me know you want to be a part of that prayer just by slipping your hand up now where everyone's got their eyes closed. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Anyone else, just slip your hand up, say, please include me in that prayer. I want to ask Jesus into my life. I want to get things right with him. I may not understand it all, but I know I need him. If that's you, just slip your hand up now. A few more seconds. Say, include me in that prayer, please. Okay, well, everyone's here with your eyes closed. We're going to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you, everyone, to pray this prayer after me. That as I say the words, I want you to repeat them after me. And for those of you who put your hand up, say these words with everything you've got within you. Inviting Jesus afresh into your life. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. That he took my sin upon the cross. That he took my guilt and my shame upon the cross. And offers me abundant life. Forgive me for my sin. Where I've turned away from you. I choose today to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Saviour. I turn away from my old life and choose to live for Jesus Christ. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Wash me clean. Let your joy and peace come into my life that I may be all that you made me to be. pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, then you've given your life over to Jesus. He says the moment you pray it, all that stuff's gone. It's no longer a part of your life. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. It's already been given. Just like at Christmas, you know, the presents are under the tree. They've already been given. All you have to do is take the gift. That's what you just did. You took the gift.
the gift of life in Jesus Christ. You took his forgiveness and he's washed you clean. The Bible tells us when you say that, the Holy Spirit resides within you. And he'll start to work through you to make you more like Jesus. And when you mess up and things go wrong, and we do, we all mess up. We all get it wrong sometimes. He says, it's okay. Just come and confess it to me and I'll wash you clean. It's as easy as that. And determine in your heart that you'll keep pushing on for God. You have um, on your chairs, before you sit down, there's a, uh, a connection card. We're going to take up an offering in a minute. I'd really love for every person's place to fill one of those out. If you just put your hand up and you prayed that prayer and you said, I want Jesus in my life, then please fill that out and um, tick the box on there. It says, I'm committing my life to Christ or I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. And just drop that into the offering bucket as it comes around. For the rest of us, if you could just fill that out, drop it in there. We'd just love to have a record of your visit. We're not going to bombard you with emails and phone calls. We might send you one letter that has that, just tell you how awesome you are. We just want a record of those who are here when we launched as a church, when we started out together on our journey. That when that 20,000th person comes in the door, we'll invite you back and have a celebration because you were there at the start. The start of a church that is going to help change this nation. We won't do it alone. There's a whole lot of other churches out there doing the same journey. We're just joining the river bringing a bit of heaven to earth. If you could fill those out now, we're going to pass the offering bucket around in a minute. That'd be fantastic. Just drop it in there. We'd love just to have a record of your visit with us. If you want to know more, on the back it has some details. You can tick a couple of boxes there and so on. If you feel like you'd like to give to support what we're doing as a church, become a part of it, then feel free. Um, Don't feel any obligation though to do that. You're our guest here today. If you feel like you want to give and you haven't come prepared, there's some details out on the table about how you can do it electronically. I find most people do it that way nowadays. That's great. But either way, it's been a pleasure having you here with us, celebrating Jesus, starting on a journey together. And we'd love for you to come and be a part of what we're doing, to be a part of this church, to be a part of the family, to be all that God made you to be. After the service, there's a free coffee, free muffins, cordial and water for the kids. Is it red cordial? Uh, thought we'd hype your kids up before you go home. There's bouncy cars for the kids to stay on and drop in at the Welcome Centre. You can grab an info pack that lets you know more about who we are as a church. And uh, if I haven't said hello to you personally, I'd love to talk to you and um, hear your journey and what brought you here today. It's been a pleasure to have you here with us and to celebrate together. And we look forward to seeing you next week, 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock. Okay, if you want to take that up now, thank you very much. If you haven't typed on to fill it out, you can drop it in the box at the Welcome Centre.
at the end of the service, if you feel like you want someone to pray with you and just maybe take a couple of minutes, we have a prayer team down here that will happily just take a minute to pray with you and, uh, and talk with you if that's what you feel like you need that. Need bigger buckets, handle the cards. When you see Val, Val is our, our morning tea guru. She, she's, sorry? She's a food guru, you know. She can make anything happen. At least she makes, you know, does a whole loaves and fishes things. Makes things out of nothing sometimes, I'm sure. But it's her 26th birthday today. <laughs> so make sure you see Val and uh, give her a big hug and say happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, we need many more going to take care of a growing church. The Lord bless you. It's been fantastic to have you with us. Um, please go in next door, grab yourself a coffee, something to eat, and uh, we'd love to have a chat. So it's good to see you. Thank you.